0: Um, I feel like that's oh, a terrible, just, uh, it's okay. terrible story to have. <laughs> no, no, no. It's, it's quite funny.
1: <laughs> Hello, you're listening to Truthbook with me, Catherine Smith, a mum and clinical psychologist. I am on a mission to get us more connected, sharing real stories about family life You will let out a sigh of relief knowing it's not just you, be empowered by other people's words, and share a giggle at the funnier side of family life. And that was Kate, worried that her dark sense of humour might not be everyone's cup of tea. We chat about moving your family to the other side of the world, bouncing back from failure, working with Aboriginal mothers, and how being compassionate can help us to restore when we are feeling stretched, as well as a good dose of laughter. So today I'm chatting to Kate, who lived in Helensburgh in Scotland for two years in 2017, uh, the town I call my home, and I now live in Brisbane, the city that Kate calls her home. And Kate is a midwife working with Aboriginal families, mother to James, who's a proper grown-up and a semi-professional musician, Zali, her teenager, and Xavier, who's a rapidly growing up eight-year-old. And her husband, Clint, had me in stitches as the first person to say, good day, mate, whilst (laughs) flipping a burger on the barbecue.
0: I have the Visit Scotland on Instagram and it's so beautiful, so many images, and it just makes my heart sing, also break a little bit because God only knows how long it's going to be till we can get back and explore.
1: Well, it, so that brings me on because you guys upped your family and your jobs and you made it a choice to go. To Scotland, and it wasn't that your husband had a job, or you had to. You, this was a decision that you made, and having just done it, and not being at times that enthusiastic, it's a (laughs) feature. What what inspired you guys to make such a big move?
0: So, um, Clint and I. And the kids, we lived um, in a beautiful part of the world called the Central Coast um, of New South Wales. And we had lived there, Clint, since he was 11 months old and me since I was six. Um, We were raising our kids there and had amazing friends and great family support. It's a really beautiful part of the world. However, we wanted the kids minds and experiences to be opened by exposure to other cultures and different ways of being eating seeing exploring you were in a very
1: comfortable position your life was ticking over but it was busy and you had a sense of hang on we've been here for all of our lives yeah but that's it's it's a. It's, oh, I'm thinking that's a difficult decision to go from that comfort and to, to go, but also really exciting. And you're saying we need to Super see, excellent. and I guess also being in Australia, you can't just hop over to Europe. You couldn't just <laughs> no. take the kids to France for two week holiday.
0: Well, we could so, if we had a lot more money, <laughs> and you had
1: some ability to suddenly recover from jet lag within <laughs> yeah. like a day. <laughs> yeah, uh, um, but it's yeah, it's not as accessible.
0: Um, no. And to be fair, my life is jet lag often. <laughs> being, oh, a,
1: being, being, being a midwife, a midwife oh, Yeah, yeah which we'll, we'll come on to. <laughs> That's a good point. So you've probably already... <sighs> and, yeah, anyone who's been a mum and gone through sleepless nights, I think, can deal with jet lag <laughs> yeah, a lot yeah. easier.
0: It's temporary. Yeah. It's temporary.
1: Uh, was it always quite exciting in the thought of moving, or was it, also, was it challenging at times trying to pack up?
0: So mostly it was exciting. Yeah, yeah. However anybody ever in the world that's applied for a visa, especially a residential visa or an ancestry visa would hear the pain because it's challenging. it is a lengthy process. the time frame that you're given inevitably extends but nobody tells you that before you're doing it. We'd booked our flights everything was ready to roll except the visas, which eventually came through two days before we got on the planes. We were like, is this worth it? Are we doing, what are we thinking? We're upping our family. And the most heartbreaking part was leaving James behind. James was 19 and in a stable job, had a girlfriend. He didn't want to come with us. We were just, you know dragging him down (laughs) his his parents and little siblings
1: and so all those moments of is this worth it the visa stress fast forward was it worth it totally
0: absolutely Um, we were only supposed to be going for one year and we were there maybe a month and realized that there was just so much to see and do and we were just Loving it so much that we quickly decided that it would be two years. Um, and the kids were happy about that. There was a moment at the six month mark where um, my sister and her family had also been in Europe when they were due to go home. It was, we'd taken a little bit longer break. And Zali was due to go back to school and her cousins were leaving the Northern Hemisphere. So she did have a bit of an emotional outburst, sobbing her little heart out, saying that she just wanted to go back to Australia, um, that she missed her friends and she loved her friends here in Scotland, but she wanted to go home. Said, all right. How about this, where we were always going to be here for twelve months? You've got six months to completely immerse yourself and embrace this experience. And if in six months you're still feeling like this, we'll reevaluate. By the year, she was like, "We're <laughs> <pristine>. staying." <laughs> Absolutely. I,
1: I think what I'm hearing and I, what we know is but we don't always stick true to is that when something is challenging and we're going through visas and the stress and you think, is it worth it? Y- you know, but well, at the time you don't know, but looking back, absolutely. And it is worth that um, upheaval that,
0: that you absolutely. go through. And, and that's what I try to do when I'm facing a challenging situation is a, remember it's temporary and, B, B, think back to challenging times in my life where I've considered stopping or changing direction but have worked through those challenges and worked through those issues and how grateful I am to have done that. Yeah. And for
1: for Zali and Xavier what qualities have you seen that they've developed through Mm -hmm. moving and you know going through upset going through missing family but also making new friends
0: what what qualities would you say they've taken from it i think they're flexible and adaptable with our very higgled piggledy lifestyle, they need to be really <laughs> See, Here we are. I see you guys
1: as really organised and do stuff. So.
0: Oh,
1: ah, Thank you. Are you hickety-pickety? Oh, yeah. great. I feel better now.
0: Yeah. <laughs> We're so, so I feel like they have a really great ability to talk to people of all different ages and develop connections with Kids younger than them, up to adults, and I think that's a brilliant life skill.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And do you think they would have developed that if they'd if you'd stayed in your New South Wales
0: settled? Possibly. Yeah. You know, possibly yeah. they would have. I don't know if their um, ability to form relationships quite quickly. And have a depth of relationship quickly. I think they cut through the bullshit pretty well. Yes. Sorry. Oh, it's okay. <laughs> I think, I, no, I think allow that. they... <laughs> they. You can look
1: back and see, yeah, there's so many benefits of, of, of making that move. So yeah. many.
0: I and think. initially it's, it's difficult because when you go to a new place... And even when you meet people and really gel with them, initially you don't have that depth of friendship. There's Mm. not the... And which is sometimes a really beautiful thing because with depth there's hardship as well as joy in relationships. Um, So, you know, it's shiny and new and amazing, but it is sometimes nice to put on those... Worn uggies.
1: <laughs> yeah, because when you enter a closer relationship, then there is also hurt because you start to really care and yeah, and, and, love and yeah, so yeah, I know what you mean. You can have that lovely honeymoon stage with friends where you it's all new yeah. and that's nice, but you do need the depth. And um, how did you cope with that initial
0: phase then of kind of having acquaintances, but just by being kind and open-minded and interested in other people and open to their experiences and their world so I didn't want to move to Scotland and um, hang out with a bunch of Australians not that I wouldn't that I would not be friends with somebody because they're Australian because you know I love Aussies but I wanted to and for the family to experience relationships with people who are genuine, loving, kind, awesome and from that area. Yes. And Mind like you, like if, if it doesn't really matter what nationality or any of that stuff doesn't matter. It's more about who a person is on the inside. And we were really lucky. And you moved from your job as a, as a midwife.
1: Yes. Um, and, but weren't able to go back in, into midwifery in Scotland. So how, how right. was that for you? That that was hard. Because you were giving up a professional identity. And also you had to keep up your training with midwifery. So you had yep. that kind of long-term impact. Um, but, yeah, so how, how was that initially?
0: Um, for you? Initially, I wasn't focused on work at all. Um, I missed it because I love being a midwife. I was focused on the kids feeling settled and comfortable and knowing that we're in a completely unfamiliar environment, wanting them to know that I'm always there. We were really lucky to live a park away from the school and the nursery. Um, So I just wanted to, at the drop of the hat, be able to go and collect them if need be and to be able to walk through the park and drop them at school and nursery and then pick them up and walk back through the park and kick the leaves around and just... Embrace their experience and time. That time, but I think you did end up either ending up in work.
1: Oh yes. Sorry. But was that through?
0: Bring me back on track. Yeah. Well, but was that? I'm wondering. Was that
1: just through opportunity, or were you looking for something that bit more purpose or professional identity? Because it's something I struggled with a bit. Covid was great because right, I'm hundred percent mum. But then when that stopped and the kids are at school, you're like, oh, what's my you do. You What's my purpose? What's yeah. my. I need something to be passionate about. That's. I can plan holidays. That's great, but yeah, it's <laughs> only so much time and money that.
0: So, so um, with the midwifery, um, I researched it and thought, oh, okay, I've got to sit three exams. One was in. Academic English exam to check that I could speak the language. I was like, I'm well and truly stuffed if I fail this because English is the only language I speak. Oh, I had to, I had to
1: sit that for a visa. It's actually quite hard. <laughs> I only it's got so like seventy five percent. I got an A in
0: English, but I got seventy five percent in my English. <laughs> they were talking about commerce, and I was like. Oh, these are really unfamiliar words to me. I That was fine. But a couple of the women that were there who were fluent and multilingual, amazingly multilingual, had sat that exam five times. Yeah, you know, and okay. I just think how heartbreaking. She's... Yeah. She, she's probably got more of a grip on the English language than I do she speaks another three languages anyway that's her experience but that that was fine I needed to sit another exam which I just thought "Ah, no worries I I got really good grades at university I'd been a midwife for years I um was really passionate and thought I'd be fine. I was absolutely devastated. I failed. Well, you did six I sat the exam and, and you failed. failed. I it took me a little while and I thought, do you know what, maybe this is just not meant to be. And then I was like, nah, I'm not going to let it beat me. And logistically I was thinking, it's not going to be ideal working as a midwife over there with the kids not having the support network and we we developed great friendships with beautiful amazing golden hearted people really quickly however there's a difference between ringing your mum and saying hey mum I'm stuck here, this woman's pushing, she's about to have a baby, do you mind picking the kids up? To phoning a friend who has their own family to run around after. So I was in two minds about it thinking maybe this is just a blessing in disguise and then my ego was like, Kate, you, you can't let that beat you you're a really good midwife. And so I sat the exam again and failed again. Was this one of the challenges? And I'd even studied this time. (laughs) This is definitely a challenge. Failed again. I was gutted. It was really disappointing and a massive blow to my professional self. And as a midwife, it's just not what you do. It's who you are. Yeah, you've got to dig
1: deep, but still, yeah, it's about your values as why you're doing yes. the profession. But to be tested in that way. Awful. How did you bounce back from that challenge
0: of um, feeling <laughs> exam twice? Of my profession, I... I, I can't remember if I had a cry. I'm sure I would have. And Clint is really grounding and supportive. My sister and my mum are really supportive. My sister's really grounding as well. And it helped me through that and it helped me recognise that, yeah, actually this is a blessing in disguise because who's going to babysit the kids late at night or early in the morning for shift work or working a Saturday night and then night shift is torture. And actually the system, um, a couple of friends in Scotland both trained as midwives and said that they got out really quickly because the system was so over... Utilized and understaffed that it just wasn't safe. And that afternoon when I went to pick Xavier up from nursery, Claire Murdoch, the owner of the Mulberry Bush Nursery, came down and said, hi, Kate. And we had a couple of chats. She spent a bit of time in Australia and just really lovely family. She said, how would you feel about working here in the nursery? And I said, Oh, that'd be great! Yeah, she said. Do you want to think about it? and I said, Yeah, I'll think about it. But yes, and she said, Do you want to talk to Clint? <laughs> and I said, Yeah, but I will. I'm, I'm sure I'll. Yeah, I'll take you up on that offer.
1: And that's that's a, a beautiful serendipity. But something I'm noticing a theme through what you've talked about is is luck. You know, you landed in Hillsborough, and you had these amazing friends, and then now this job that was offered to you. But I do wonder if luck doesn't always land you just follow the paths and you you know your response to the exam was trying to be a positive one which meant you were you weren't hiding and staying at home down in the dumps you went out and then I guess the nursery saw qualities in you so it's it can can be seen as luck but also you're you're following and you're and you took the opportunity to move in the first place you know just making these decisions and they they do align so that's been quite an adventure, but you guys are now back in Australia and you've been back for
0: yes. how long? Do, do you know what? It's three been years. three years. <gasps> yeah, three it's years. been three years since we've seen so many of our beautiful friends. And should reassure really yeah. the listeners that are you back to practicing as a midwife? You didn't fail <laughs> your exams again. Yes, <laughs> baby, I'm back. It. And, and it, coming back, that was hard because yeah. I'd had a two-year break yeah, and then working, to yeah. yeah to get back into the system is a lengthy process. Nothing goes quickly in health. Yeah. So that took a while to get back in the public sector. The private sector, I was working um, within the month or so, but I prefer the public sector Um Midwives have more autonomy and better outcomes for women and babies, less intervention. Um, yeah. So then was practising and got back into birthing suite down um, on the central coast. Then we moved for a lifestyle change again um, and my husband's Clint's work and um, and that was another challenging time because we moved and were renting our home out. And the week, <laughs> weekend that Clint had come up earlier, I stayed behind. Because wanted the kids to finish their school year and also to work over Christmas and New Year's. I thought it would be a really rubbish thing to go, oh see you guys, I'm resigning before that Christmas New Year's time when everybody wants time off with their family. So we went mid came up to Brizzy mid-January for Clint's job that he was on a trial and I called Clint, getting a bit excited but also, you know, arranging logistics, said, hey, hey, babe, how are you going? And he said, shit. And I said, oh, why? Has something happened with the trailer? Because we had our friend's trailer and it, the axle had gone so we'd gotten it fixed and, and then I thought something had gone wrong with the trailer. And he said, no, I just got the sack. <laughs> oh, he got sacked.
1: <laughs> I can't imagine anyone sacking Clint. I know. I know.
0: And I was like, that's not even funny. You know, that's not even a funny joke at this point. And he said, Kate, I'm not flippin' joking. <laughs> and I said, I, really? Are you serious? And he said, 100%. I feel so This wasn't sick. a Clint joke. It was not Not a clint joke. I said, just pull over, take some time. It's, we're going to be okay. It's a first world problem. We, we've, the house is rented, so the mortgage will be paid. We've been in um, circumstances where we've been really skint when, um, Clint and I first met, I was studying nursing and being in a financially tight position was not completely unfamiliar and it, it was going to be okay. You know, it was stressful and awful and there were definitely some really dark, challenging times and challenging in our relationship as well, you oh. know you've got that benefit
1: of looking back and thinking we've got through this before, but it can also be difficult because it kind of reminds you, doesn't yes. it, of all the times that weren't good. Yeah. And it had not been that long ago when he was the main worker and provider yep. and now
0: it's potentially it, going to be you. Yeah, um, and it was tough for for Clint because he was feeling that weight of we're all moving up, he's got a job. Because of him. yeah. And now that's not happening. It took a a couple of months. I can't remember exactly how long it took, but it took a while for him to get a job, the right job, and he's just gone from strength to strength. And the whole time he was working at the other company, he didn't feel like it was a very good fit. He sort of said... You know, you can hear a pin drop in the office. It's so foreign to me because he likes a good chat and a laugh, and get your work done, but have a good time while you're doing it. Yeah. So, so there's
1: another example of it. Doesn't matter how many times you fall, it's how you yeah. how you get up. Yes. And he's again, maybe serendipity's been on your side, and absolutely, he it, it wasn't. It's not nice to be sacked, but actually, the company wasn't necessarily. Quite a fit for him. Yeah. And now yeah. he's got lots of letters behind his name. And, yeah. and, and actually, I know he's recently had a promotion. So, yes, um, so yeah. that's sort of I And your work now is fascinating, but you're working yeah. with Aboriginal mums. Yes. So a, a population that yeah. have well, numerous challenges yeah. and don't have the access that maybe other populations
0: do. Yeah. So the. Um, organisation that I'm working with is called Birthing in Our Community and it is fantastic. They released a um, paper or some research uh, a bit over a year ago and the preterm um, birth rate has almost halved for the The comparison, so the women who are accessing the Birthing in Our Community program, because it's a really holistic program um, they have um, their own midwife on call. If we're on a day off it will go through to one of the midwives in our team and we have a group of family support workers who all identify as Aboriginal and or Torres Strait Islander Um, So they work out of the hub in Salisbury. So we work closely together with an amazing social worker and awesome psychologist to give families whatever they need to prop them up to help encourage healthy, happy, strong families. These, just to
1: put some context on, I think these are families that maybe wouldn't access mainstream yeah, because so possibly they're very young yeah. um, uh, they may not be aware of but they may feel that they don't want to be accessing mainstream is
0: Yeah, um, the, the difference with this service is we work hard to make it culturally appropriate mm. so mm. it's a comfortable space and um, some of the women would be comfortable accessing mainstream services but some don't really they have challenges that are so deep with that intergenerational trauma that going to an antenatal appointment is not the top of their priority list
1: yeah and I it's giving you first-hand experience of how they're living, but also their history.
0: Yeah. And
1: I found it very interesting sort of when we first drive talking to you about the lost the stolen generation, how that, that is for Australians.
0: It's well, a national it's, shame. And it, you,
1: you're working very closely with it, and I think you feel that acutely.
0: Yeah. Is that right? Yeah. 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 And yeah, these families... Are dealing with the hangover of the torture and abuse and atrocities that their ancestors experience, and it's not that Because well, you
1: could quite easily be unaware of it living in Australia in this big city in Brisbane and think, yeah. wow, this is amazing, and you might see Aboriginal Zion, but you, you, you don't connect and I think it's only really talking to you and hearing about your working with these families about how it's not that long ago and the trauma is very much still felt so with, in that work what, how do you manage your own self-care as well because even just the work of a midwife um, in itself but the population that you're working with
0: Yeah. so so currently our team are stretched, it's um you you get milked, they milk every drop out of you and our team are feeling um stretched and, and tired and um but if you're getting every bit of you milked out through that
1: yeah how do you manage to <coughs> keep keep that going or keep that keep that up and restore somehow.
0: Yeah, I um, have a really inappropriate sense of humour. Excellent. That, no. <laughs> yes. And um, just really trying to do things that you love. Yeah. So spending time with people who you love and value and have a good connection with and buoy each other up um, and supporting other people. So I think that in order to feel good within, if you're supporting other people, then you feel better about the world. Oh, that's beautifully said. Um, It's the nature of your
1: job, but you're right, when it's this compassion, isn't it, that you can experience and be okay with other people's suffering and also yeah. find a way of helping them yeah. and was I mean, that was acutely true during the the peak of the pandemic and lockdown and people just des- wanting to to help wanting to yes. that really came out yeah um and but that's also how you helped to sort of reset yourself and yeah. make sure that even though everything's been looked out of you at work that you're still able because you have to go into work and still have that yeah. Level of yep. and, so
0: and yeah, and and I think when you're having that flow with people and you're having the real conversations about, yeah, life's pretty shit at the moment mm. or yeah, life's awesome. Mm. But being honest about it, you know that it ebbs and flows and you can be with a friend or a family member in their pain and remind them that this is temporary but not have to fix it either just that's part of the process
1: yes well that's beautifully said
0: oh thanks Catherine. <laughs> And, uh,
1: well, I would like to uh, bring in, let's bring in your humour. <laughs> <laughs> I, I would like to um, bring, bring draw things to an end and I'd like to ask you what your book confession
0: is. <laughs> so You've had a heads up on this. Yes, <laughs> I've had, had a heads up on these. Um, Xavier, this is really inappropriate humour. <laughs> I didn't mention my inappropriate humour. It's even got a song. We were at the table last night, and I'd say laughter is our family's best medicine. We would laugh every day. So, last night, we're sitting at the table. Xavier, as an eight year old, I've been noticing that he's frequently not using his cutlery. He's not a toddler, you know, and there are some meals that warrant a hand. Mm-hmm eating this was not one of them it was a poke bowl what's a, what's a, it? a poke bowl it's um like a base of rice with salmon and salad and um so avocado yeah. radish carrot yeah. cucumber and um a dressing a sesame mm-hmm. dressing with sesame seeds and and soy it's like it's yum yeah. it's a fork meal or whatever cutlery floats your boat, I'm okay with. Anyway, it was the third time I'd said to him, <laughs> mate, use your cutlery. Come on, there's your fork. And so we were all having a bit of a laugh. I was at my wits end and I said, Xavier, if you don't start using your fork, i'm gonna stab you with it <laughs> okay and i would never ever do that and he yeah. knows that i would never ever do that yeah. yeah and we all just cracked up and for the rest of the meal Ooh. not out of fear yeah. Yeah. but just i think it was enough of yes. a jolt the yeah. humor yeah for him to then use his fork this was not a meal to be eating with
1: you (laughs) okay Mm. otherwise (laughs) the
0: cycle music was going to come out exactly (laughs) and just for perspective he's a really gentle loving kind guy that would never stab anybody with a fork and neither
1: would you
0: just (laughs) for the record neither would i definitely not
1: i have really enjoyed talking to you today and i'm feeling inspired i'm also feeling very reassured that the upheaval and moving it does give our kids resiliency and yes. it, uh, and they do develop skills i think i'm seeing that definitely in in our children um and just to hear that your passion for your work and I'm so mm. glad you got back to it even though you failed your exam twice <laughs> yeah. uh, but I, you know, the, 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 that hasn't yes, uh, it shows a difference between I think the UK and midwifery here but now to be mm. working with uh, such an amazing population yeah so that's yeah. been amazing to hear so thank you very much for coming on Truthbook
0: No, thanks for having me Catherine thank you Thanks for listening. Help me grow
1: the Truthbook community. If you enjoyed this episode, share it with a friend and subscribe for more episodes. Or even better, come on Truthbook. Your story of how you've navigated family life will inspire and become part of someone else's family survival guide.